Okay, so um, we're continuing on uh, a topic we've been talking about uh, within the prophetic and bringing in the prophetic into our interactions and in our, in our culture. You know, uh, that's a new term for some. Maybe it's not for everyone, I'm sure. But, um, but I want to kind of dive into that. So I'm going to do a little bit of recap a little bit from what we've been talking about, and then we're going to build from there. So um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 this is the listing out of the five gifts of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 12, you have the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 are the five gifts of Christ. Verse, and verse 11 says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers. Uh, you know, in our American culture, we pretty much just have pastors and teachers. It's pretty much what, uh, what you see out there. Um, in some circles, you'll see the, the title of apostle, prophet, evangelist uh, stamped on people's names. And it works in some cultures, doesn't work in other cultures. Um, the, what I, I, what's important here isn't so much the title, but the function. But Amen. the way people function and about the way they relate to others. Amen. And, uh, and how, how they contribute in their own unique way to the body. So these are the five gifts of Christ. And what's their purpose? It's for the equipping of the saints. For the work of service and to the building up of the body of Christ. 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, for whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself and love. So what is the purpose of the gifts of Christ? Ultimately, it's to equip, to build up the body, to attain the unity of the faith. Ultimately, it's to mature. And so having all five gifts of Christ in function of influence of some manner in our life is for our own personal maturity. And uh, when you lack in these areas, the chances are you're going to lack in the realm of unity. You're going to lack in equipping. You're going to lack in maturity. So we need to have every side of this functioning. Wow. And so if we can kind of narrow this down a little bit further, you know, we're talking about the prophetic gifts of what the prophet brings to the table. The prophet um, uh, is, is a powerful gift that's still very active today, and we see them in the body of Christ. Sometimes, you know, I think we, we relate to them as, oh, that's the guy that's prophesying, that's the guy that's prophesying, which they certainly do. And, uh, but one of their other functions is they also equip us and they give us tools so that we also can prophesy. And so that we also can operate in, that, in those gifts of the Holy Spirit that are prophetic gifts. Um, um, and so prophets, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. This is one of the few times in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where you do see an order of priority. And this is very significant for us, especially in the American culture, because we have lots of churches that are pastor-teacher-driven. And they certainly love the Lord. And I grew up in, uh, I'd say the, the past 
decade before coming here, uh, me and Kayla, we served in a pastor-teacher model church, and we also served in an apostolic missions group, um, a missionary group. And so we had bukus of mission trips all over the planet. And, uh, and so if you've ever experienced the two different worlds, you'll find they're two completely different church life, two different cultures, two different experiences of, of church. And uh, one, uh, you know, the pastor-teacher church is really focused on meeting the needs and caring for people and teaching to bring the maturity, which is which is which is a is a is a fine model, you know. It's, it's but the the other one, the apostolic prophetic model, is more missional driven. It's about fulfilling the Great Commission, grabbing the blueprints of heaven, and remodeling it back on the earth. And so, our group, our stream, our Fellowships, those that we, we work together with, we, are, we align ourselves what we, with what we call apostles and prophets. We align our, our hearts in that manner so that we're constantly looking to heaven and saying, God, what do you want to establish in the earth and build it? That's why we need apostles and prophets. That's what they do is they go get the blueprints. The apostles will often get the vision and have a grace for increase on their life so that the people around them can come up into it. Prophets, what they do is they often, they're the guys that pull it down. It's what takes this thing, it's almost like a funnel. You know, if you ever like had to change your oil in your car and you had to put oil inside, you have a funnel that sits in and you pour. It takes all of the oil and it gets it down. That's the prophetic. That is truly the gift of the prophetic among us. When we open up ourselves and position ourselves in such a way that we take everything that's happening there and we say, bring it right here, God. That's the prophetic. When we're talking about the prophetic, we're talking about something from heaven. It's something supernatural. You know, 1 Corinthians, I think it's 6.17, says he who has uh, joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so we are, we are gathered together. We are here in the earth and God is in us, but God is also in heaven and we're in him. It's, it's a wonderful mystery. But pooling from God... To manifest through us is the nature of the prophetic. First uh, Thessalonians five twenty says, "Do not despise prophetic utterances." This is a warning from the Lord. It says, "Don't don't despise it. If you don't understand it, that's fine. Or if you're not certain certain about it, or you're kind of iffy about it, that's cool. But don't despise it. It's one thing to to, to not agree with something, but some, it's completely different to turn it off. When you turn it off, and you, when you hear a prophetic word. It, it kind of, you, you shut yourself off from receiving everything you could receive from it. And the, I think it's the book of Matthew, it talks about receiving a prophet in the name of a prophet so that you receive a, a prophet's reward. If you don't believe that prophets are available today, you have a hard time receiving prophetically and receiving the fruits of life. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so, again, part of their function is to equip others with the gift of prophecy the, by imparting grace for, for believers to other people. To prophesy like they do. To see like they do. Um, um, note, uh, you know, a, a prophet sees and hears themselves, but they can never replace our personal need to see and hear from God independently. Likewise, our ability to see and hear independently can't replace our, our need for the gift of the prophet. Like We really need each other. It's the, it's the body working together, building up of itself and uh, love. Uh, stepping out in the gift of prophecy, it's always important to remember that it's a gift. It's not an award. It's not God giving you a certification that stamps your approval or says hey, you're doing awesome. It really is nothing more. It's than a gift. It's a tool. 
Boasting in the gift of prophecy would be like boasting in my power drill. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill, boasting in my power drill. If I would just walk, can you imagine if I if I had my power drill with me, and just hey guys, check this out. <laughs> and that's all like that, and that became my life. That became my identity was showing you my drill. It'd be about like that. It's kind of silly. So you don't take identity in your gifts. They're just a tool. And it's a power tool. It's something you can use. And it's, to, it's a tool in, in fulfilling the Great Commission. Uh, defining prophecy, like we said, as both foretelling, which is calling out the future before it happens. And foretelling, which is causing the future. A causative word, like, uh, like Ezekiel speaking in the Valley of Dry Bones. Speaking, prophesying to the breath, causing bones to turn into, into an, uh, an army. Now, we do that pretty commonly just in our, um, in our culture through the, through the declaration. You know, Bill Johnson used to say, nothing happens in the kingdom without there first being a declaration. Like, we have to speak it out. Amen. There's power in our words. And just like you can prophesy life, you can prophesy death. Uh, Steve Backlund used to say, the best thing someone can do for their life uh, that some people can do for their life is stop talking, you know, because they speak so poorly and they're causing just cycles of mess in their life by the words that they're saying. Like, if you could just stop talking, your life would really improve, you know. And uh, so their prophecy um, is, man, speaking out um, and the exhortation to, pro- to prophesy is found in 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty nine. It says, therefore, my brethren. Desire earnestly to prophesy. This is an exhortation to the full body of Christ that everyone can step in to the gift of prophecy. This is, this is unique. It doesn't say, it doesn't exhort everyone to step into miracles or everyone's, although I think it's available for everyone. The exhortation is prophesy. Prophesy. In Acts chapter 2, when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they said, these guys are drunk, Peter says, no, no, this is that, what happened According to Prophet Joel, I'll pour out my spirit on, on, on everybody and blah, 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 blah. And they shall prophesy. The manifestation of prophecy is a fruit of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Where there is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there should always be prophecy. Amen. It should be happening among us. Amen. Anytime, and and this, is, this is a powerful thing. It's a, it's a beautiful side of, of the body of Christ. I, I've been in circles that, that don't prophesy and it's... It's a different feel. But if you can create a culture where everyone is speaking life, and it's a way of life, you create like this vortex for people to step into. And when they step in you, they realize, oh, wow, when I'm with you guys, I just, I come up here. I come up to this different place, and I just start living differently. That you guys just see something different in me that I didn't see in myself. I I didn't know that. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, It's healthy. It calls life up. It says, hey, I know this is what you're doing, but this is where you're called. Romans 3.23 says, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory. Uh, I remember the picture, uh, hearing that described was like, if this was the target and we fell short of glory, you got to realize the destination was glory. Wow. And so calling people back said, I know you're falling short right now, but I see where you're called. Yeah. Mm, that is home. the prophetic culture. Still there. It's yeah. Go. Get there. Get there. (coughs) Accountability looks different in a prophetic culture than a non-prophetic culture. Accountability is, in a non-prophetic culture, is, have you sinned this week? 
but an accountability in a prophetic culture is, have you done what God said to do? It, it's a completely different way of living, and it calls people up, says, come up here. This is where you're going. And it's always about stepping out, speaking it among each other, and eventually you start thinking, I can do it. So it's very cool. So, um, so that's our, our kind of recap. Um, two angles we're going to talk about today. Are, the first one is, is about judging and receiving prophetic words. I don't think there's ever been a time where there are more prophetic words flying on the internet in my entire life. Like, I don't think I've ever seen so many prophetic words of, this is what the Lord's saying. This is what the Lord's saying. And then... I had a dream of this, and but I had a dream of this, and like where there's, it's going everywhere. And so, what was the mark of maturity that you no longer tossed to and fro? And I think that's what happens. It can be really easy right now to get tossed. Yeah, it is because you jump on someone else's word, which yeah, I'm not going to despise that, you know, because we 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 all see in part, we all prophesy in part. And he's probably seen a different angle than this guy, and they're probably both heard from the Lord, <laughs> you know, or you know, or something, you know. Like we, you can't really shut it down, but we do have to judge, yeah, and re- recognize this is of the Lord or this is not of the Lord. And you don't have to, you don't have to take it in to judge it. You can judge it before you take it in. You know, I was t- talking to to Jonathan and Jimmy this week about you know just like how we watch. TV and like, uh, or looking for YouTube videos or podcasts or something, you can look at something and you can get a feel in your, in your gut. Uh, this isn't going to work out. This is going to be bad. I'm going to keep, keep moving. That, you know, you can have discernment and the, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. I mean, this is something we have to really do with, with prophetic words is you can learn to judge. So uh, this, I don't know the direction this, this is going, but it feels not right. I don't have to drink the poison to find out that it's poison. Right. That's good. You know, like a lot of times we think, oh, I think this is bad. I better check. Oh, yeah, this is bad. You know, <laughs> that's the wrong way. Like, that's part of why we have this spirit of truth on the inside of us that he resounds like, hey, this is the truth. You should ask God, God, would you, would you lead me to truth? Yeah. Amen. That'd be a really good idea. Yeah. Would you lead me to truth instead of, I, there's a lot of voices out there. God, I, I want to find truth. And then when you hear prophetic words, a lot of times it's not something new. It's often it's confirming what he's already telling yeah. you. Exactly. Yeah. Because the same spirit that's yeah. in you is on the inside of them. Amen. And it's, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Right there. Confirmation. That is yeah. So judging and receiving a prophetic word. Um, you know, it's important to know that people, when, when, whether it's a prophet prophesying to the body or it's just the believer giving a prophetic word to one another that that word flows through the core values of that person Mm. if that person doesn't believe that god is good all the time that prophetic word flows through them and it goes through their filter if they don't believe god's good there's something that word is going to have a a tent to it God's still speaking through people, but he's speaking through humans, through vessels, through people that are flawed, and then people that don't don't have it all together, but they do have the Spirit of God. And so it's important that 
you know, don't shut down the prophetic word, even even when it, it, it's flowing through. It's, you just have to discern what, what's of good. Discern what, what, what's God and what's not of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, 19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. Meaning, if prophecy's flowing, don't turn it off. Don't quench. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But listen to the second part. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. No, that means there's going to be some parts that is not that good. You're going to need to hold fast to what is good. Because it's flowing through flawed vessels. And people have core values. This is why we've spent so long talking about core values. Is because when God's spirit moves through people, it's going to flow through that vessel. And when they begin to prophesy or they deliver a, a message in, this, in tongues or, or they begin to move in ministry, their whole ministry, everything God's doing, is flowing through that vessel. And if their values are not set in place, you get goofy stuff. And if it, sometimes the values are so bad that it, just, it gets off. And so it's important for us to discern people. It's important to recognize that, that prophets are still functioning in the full measure of the office of prophets, that they are... Uh, they are still warning the body of Christ. And that's not a bad thing. They're still recognizing, hey, I, I think there's sin in your camp. There's sin in your leadership. I still I think, I can, I can't hide. This is what God's showing me. That's not a bad thing. You know, to, to turn off the function of, or to bring correction to a body is part of the function of the office of the prophet. Now, we don't, we don't encourage that for all believers to step into that because they can get themselves in trouble real easy. But prophets do function in that. The problem is so many, a large amount of prophets are not connected to bodies. Mm. And, so they, they, and so because they're not connected to bodies, they just give their words out on social media and decide they're connected to everyone's body and tell the whole body of Christ what to do. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, and okay, well, when God's giving you a, a, a global platform, I suppose that's, that's okay. But it's the, we have to recognize the function of both. And for it to be available for all of us. And it's important for us to, to learn to judge. Again, that was 1 Thessalonians 5.19-21. Uh, uh, it talks about holding fast to that which is good. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 14.29. It says, let two or three prophets speak. These aren't believers. These are three prophets. These are office of the prophet, fivefold ministry gifts. It says, let two or three of them speak. And let others pass judgment. Because the other side. That means prophets get to have their words judged too. Isn't that a sobering thought? A lot of times we take, the, take it and we just run with it. And it's, it's subject to judgment. Don't let it toss you. There's some guidelines for judging prophetic words. One, it has to be biblical. It, can, it shouldn't contradict what the word of God says. Amen. That's a, that's a big no-no, right? It shouldn't contradict prophetic word. You know, uh, if someone gives a prophetic word, I know this is probably not going to happen, but if someone brings a prophetic word, hey, I really feel like, you know, you're not supposed to be married to this person, you're supposed to be married to this person. <laughs> you know, how I many of that's a, that's, that's an obvious, blatant foul, you know, prophetic foul, I guess is what they call it, because it violates the word of God to do that. But what about when someone is just bringing death and bringing... Judgment and destruction over cities. I really see God is bringing, bringing this city to the ground, you know. Like, okay, my, my question when I hear that kind of stuff is, I, I understand God showed you something. 
my question to you is, what is God's redemptive plan? Because he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. That is the New Testament ministry. So if you believe, X, you know, everyone has prophesied at least once probably that California is going to go through earthquakes. But uh, I think Mario Merlo said, you know, prophesying an earthquake in California is like prophesying a mustache in Mexico. You know, like they're, they're everywhere. Like, of course, like, you know, you're not really trying hard. Or, or uh, you know, the, the word of knowledge for it is I feel someone has back pain. Well, like when 50 something percent of the population has back pain, you know, it's not really. So, it, you know, it's important to, um, to, to, to bear witness with this type of thing. Romans 8, 16 says the spirit testifies with our spirit that we're children with God. So, so the Holy Spirit will bear witness with you and he'll talk to you. You know, when the Holy Spirit talks to me, I feel it in my gut. I feel it down here. It's not a heady thing. So it's important that we learn through a prayer life what headiness feels like and what spirituality Amen. feels like. Amen. And if you don't have your own personal prayer life, it's going to be really hard. I was talking with Matthew yesterday because we were just talking about, man, sometimes we go through dry, dry times. And one of the things that puts me in a dry season or a dry time is when I'm flipping on this phone and I'm looking at social media nonstop. Or just watching movies or something on a Netflix binge or something like that, you know. Um, even if it's not bad, it, it's like it lulls you to sleep slowly. It's very sneaky. Entertainment will bring you down in terms of your spiritual awakeningness. I mean, you'll put you to sleep slowly, slowly, slowly. And you're like, oh, it's fine. I'm not watching. I'm doing good. I'm not watching something bad. But slowly, and suddenly, two or three days later, you realize, oh man, I haven't connected with the Lord. I haven't read my Bible. I'm not, I don't even know what's happening anymore. And then that swing word comes and boom, you're off. So maintaining a regular walk with God is important. And just keep, keep keeping that down. Um, learn how to bear witness. Um, prophetic words, they should bear witness to the Bible. They should bear witness in your spirit. And they should have that fruit of bringing you closer to God. Yes. The prophetic words shouldn't send you away from God. Amen. They should send you to God. Um, that's that Second Corinthians five eighteen is that we're given the ministry of reconciliation. You know when when Abraham in and uh, Genesis and Galatians yeah and when Abraham in, oh he's in Galatians when when Abraham in uh, Genesis eighteen was shown Sodom and Gomorrah and God says hey this is what's happened to Sodom and Gomorrah he became an intercessor. Yeah. He just began to say God what if there's 50. What if there's 40? What you know? Yes. I think we got to do the same thing. God's gonna. God will reveal to us things on the earth individually, and as we grow in the prophetic, you'll see. There'll be times when you see it, someone is on a destructive path, and you need to say something. You know, sometimes it's, "Hey, man, I see you're going this way, and if you continue going, that, you know, I, uh, that's not what God's plan for you. Like it, it doesn't end well." Would you consider changing route? You know, it's part of it. Um, it should it should bear witness with with leaders. I mean, if if, if Robert's giving Thea a word about how Thea is called to Cambodia to work in the to deliver young women from the sex trade, and Thea doesn't believe that or something like that, like we should allow us to come together. You know, especially on directional words, stuff Amen. like that. Allow us to run together. 
Uh, Romans, uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. Uh, I like that perspective because it, 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 it says that trust someone else's perspective. Amen. And sometimes you need to trust someone more than yourself once in a while. Right. And trust someone and say, hey, do you see something that I don't see? That's a healthy question to ask. That's a good question to ask. Is, is often, I'll tell you, we, we pray and God just shows us stuff about people and we, have, we just intercede and pray and Lord we help this and fix this sometimes that's a really good question to ask is there something that, that you're seeing that I'm not seeing because I'm having a really hard time with this it's a good thing what's it like to receive um, a prophetic word let's go to Matthew chapter 16 um, Matthew 16 verse Verse 6, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says to them, he's giving them a word. Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. In verse 7, they begin to discuss among themselves, saying, he's saying that because we, don't, we forgot to bring bread. This is a big error. You know, these guys, they, Jesus had just like multiplied loaves and fishes, Right? And they go on their little mission trip, and they forget to bring the bread. Jesus says, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they say, hey, he's telling us this because we forgot the bread. And so the er what's the error? The error is interpreting a prophetic word based on your current circumstances. Your current situation doesn't determine the value of, of that word. That word could be meaning something completely different. Wow. In this case, um, down in verse 11, it says, How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning the bread? I mean, I'm not talking to you. My prophetic word to you isn't about your current circumstances. Mm. But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking about the doctrines of, of religion. It says, don't let, it's, it's selective hearing. You know, especially like if you've really got a, a hope in your heart about, I don't know, about your, you want to start having checks in the mail all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, you have certain, certain attitudes in your own spirit. And uh, don't interpret the word based on your own circumstances. Just take the word to the Lord. Say, God, what are you saying with this? He said, watch out for 11, the, the right posture. Be, what, are you, what are you saying by that? What do you mean by 11? Can you explain? But they said, Jesus wants to give us bread again. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not miss out on the prophetic word. Um, so those are some basic rules, um, uh, tips, dealing with prophetic words. What makes a message prophetic? How do we get prophetic? Let's talk really, really practical. What makes it prophetic? Can you hear, like even when we're singing, that we go from singing a written scripted song to a prophetic song? Can, can, can everyone, I mean, uh, you can experience, you can, by your spirit, sense when the, the room changed. You can sense when this song is no longer, I'm singing a natural to now I'm, I'm vertical. That's what prophetic is. It's, it's that connection to heaven happening among us. Right. So if a prophetic song can come out, a prophetic word can come out. Amen. It's being connected. 
And I tell you, this is the way to witness to people, man. Yeah. It's prophetic evangelism. Amen. That's the way to go get witness people is when you come to someone and you are speaking to them from heaven. Right. And then. And the world can recognize what, what the prophetic feels yes. like. They go, oh. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. We were, me and Shane, uh, my friend Shane, were, were, um, were witnessing at um, UTEP. We are just walking around at UTEP. And we found a friend professor of his. He's a professor at UTEP. And uh, we found another professor. And she's a sweet Indian lady. And um, we were just out praying for people. I said, hey, can we just, can we just bless your day? Would that be cool? We just bless you. And we just began, we put our hands on her. She agreed and said, God, would you just, would you just bless this woman? Just release the peace of heaven over her as she goes throughout her day. And as we were praying, it went from a prayer like this to where you could feel heaven was pouring on this woman. And she went from, oh yeah, you can bless her, whatever. And then she's going to go up to, well, you know, she's realizing there's something is happening you didn't tell me that was going to happen, you know. And they said, well, what's going on? I said, well, that's the blessing. That was it. Like, it was connecting you to heaven. Con- making the connection. So listen to this. 2 Peter 1, 9, 1, 1, 19. So we had the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. What's the prophetic word like? It's like a lamp shining in a dark place. It should, it should be bright. It should illuminate. It should stand out. Amen. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Verse 20. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's in- interpretation. When he's saying this, he's saying this isn't a natural interpretation. The, the, the Scripture of word wasn't... The, our canonized Scripture today didn't come from men having a conversation. <coughs> Verse 21, this is the key verse. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Meaning this is not, prophecy is not soulish. It's not an act of the will. It's not the thought, will, and emotion. It's not suki. It's not up here. Prophecy doesn't come from headiness. It's super big error to get in the heady prophetic stuff. And you just, it puffs you up with pride. You know, you fall. For no prophecy was ever made by act of the human will. It's not soulish. But men moved by the Holy Spirit Amen. spoke from God. Mm. Men moved by the Holy Spirit. Can I give you a good example of what it looks like for men to be moved? And you know, regardless of your political persuasions, when George Floyd's video came out, it sent people running all these different directions. The reason why is because people were moved. T.D. Jakes said, I can't think of a time that I wept more for a man that I've never met. It was a moving, shocking video. Wow. And I remember watching it myself. I think, you know, moved. And all this stuff starts happening. So if the enemy can move people, the Holy Spirit can move people. Come on. People beheld a video and were moved, and we have all this stuff happening now. How much more can we behold the Father mm. and behold the Son Hallelujah. and see Him in such a way that we get moved by Him? Right. And if we get moved by Him, it comes out. Men moved by the Holy Spirit 
spoke from God. It's, so Paul is, or Peter is saying, this is how this got birthed. Somebody looked to Jesus, got moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. That, this, that's why it's called, this is the prophetic word itself made more sure. This word, the, this written Bible is prophetic. You know, when we go from reading it naturally to where we're reading it in prayer, and all of a sudden it becomes prophetic. You know, theologians read it with, with their soul and just do it here on a horizontal level. But when we take this and we go vertical with God, boy, this is a live flow. Now, I, just, I, I can't imagine being anywhere in the world without this. Like I've been in some different mission fields in different places. You know, if I've got this, I'm a happy camper man because it connects me to God. Being moved by the Holy Spirit means you get captivated by Him. To be moved by God. Psalm 27, verse 8, David said, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. This is a man that Bible, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. This guy got moved by God and wrote Psalms. Moved by God, Psalm 23 comes out. Moved by God, Psalm 91 comes out. Moved by God. Song of the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 9 says, Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one chain of thy neck. One look at God, it says, You've, I'm undone. Being moved by God. And prophecy flows out of people who, who are undone with Jesus. People that are undone. This is where it leaves. This is how we leave religion behind us, is we make a connection with Jesus. We make a connection with the Holy Spirit, and we get moved by Him. And now prophetic words. That, that's how, that's what people can feel when you're witnessing to them or you're praying for them. That's what they feel. They don't feel your religion. They don't feel a message. They feel your connection with God. Amen. And they, it becomes real to them. Uh, in the ESV, it says, you've captivated my heart. You've captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes. It's a powerful thing. You know, when you look through the Gospels, and I, I, I encourage you, man, read all over the Bible, but live in the Gospels. Just live in those red letters, man. Just stay in there. Read other places. It's great. Read, read the whole Bible, but live in the red letters. Because when you, you look at Jesus, you see His nature, and it, it rocks you. It's what keeps it keeps you out of religion. It becomes becomes real. You know, when he cleansed the leper, you know, and Matthew Matthew eight says when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him, and men with leprosy came and knelt before him, saying, "Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean." Verse three, and Jesus reached out and he touched the man. Yes, mm. he said, "I'm willing." Be clean immediately. He was cleansed of his leprosy. You know, he could have said the word, but he chose to. Yeah, amen. Touch him. You see the heart of Jesus. You see, this God is a very personal God. And because lepers, I mean, you, they're shunned, they're wrapped in wraps. Nobody touches a leper. And scripturally, it was unclean. Yeah. It was an unclean thing to do for Jesus to touch a leper. As a priest, he would be unclean. 
and would need to go through washings and the whole thing. But Jesus touched the leper to get him healed. When you start reading scripture in this light, you get captivated by Jesus. And when you get moved by the Holy Spirit, you begin to speak. That's how prophecy should flow. You should be moved by the Holy Spirit. When Peter walked on water with him, it says in Matthew 14, 22, it says immediately Jesus made, uh, made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he was dismissed. Excuse me, while he dismissed the crowd. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Uh, later that night, he was alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. So the boat's out there pretty good, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So Jesus is on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I do not be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Verse 29, he says, come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, and cried out, Lord, save me. This is what God does. He, he invites us into a realm with him. I can't imagine what gets a man to step out of a boat. That was a life or death situation. Yeah. I mean, if it was, he missed God on that one, well, he just sunk like a rock. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He says, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Listen to the next verse. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So you have the boat here. Jesus is here. Jesus has come. Peter comes, and he sinks. Jesus gets him out of the water. Verse 38, and when they climbed in back in the boat. Like, there's a whole section that is missed here that's not written in Scripture. Right. He sinks, Jesus pulls him out, and they're back in the boat. That means that there was a journey back to the boat. And what's beautiful in Scripture is on, the, on Peter's trip to Jesus... The storm, the, the wind caused him to fall. But on the trip back with Jesus, what caused him to fall before did not cause him to fall again. This is what, what life in Jesus is. It's when, when you mature and what used to cause you to stumble doesn't make you stumble anymore. Oh, you're saying Jesus grabbed and they walked back together to the boat. On the water. <laughs> Spill your milk, pour it on the cup. That's awesome. And so... When what used to make you fall doesn't make you fall anymore. Come on. What you used to see would make you stumble. Jesus, he, there was a journey back. It's just they got back in the boat. I mean, I don't think he piggybacked on Jesus. No. I don't think Jesus dragged him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, getting captivated by God, that's what the scripture says, is men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke. This is, is the heart of the prophetic. It's you have to be captivated by God. This has yes. to change from yes. our religion. You've got to get captivated by Him. Mm-hmm. I did a mission trip in um, in uh, in Tijuana, and um, some of you have heard this story. But we were doing uh, like a like a street ball outdoor thing with these kids, getting them together, fellowship with these kids, shooting baskets, 
And then we, we put them together in one little huddle group of Hispanic kids and um, or Mexican kids. And we just turn on some soaking music. Say, hey, guys, we're going to pray over you right now. And our team prayed over them. And uh, we said, we're going to ask Jesus to take you to heaven. I want you to have a heart to, to go to heaven right now. And the children said, okay. You know, they're like three and five. and Okay, great. And uh, I said, okay, close your eyes. Okay, close my eyes. And we play the music, just like some silky music, and we just pray over them. When we pray over them, God comes. And these kids are here, but boy, they have checked out. Like, they are with Jesus, man. They have, like, off with Jesus somewhere. And uh, we just kind of let them, we saw that God was, God was touching these little kids. So we left them alone and thought, just give them a bit. And we look at them, and some of them were... Just you could tell they were captivated by God and some would have tears going down their eyes. No one's really praying for them. We're praying over them, but we're not really, it's not a one-on-one thing. They're with God. And um, we kind of turned on the music and, hey, can you tell us about what's, what's going on right now? And the kids had the craziest testimonies. And uh, I remember one of them, they were, they were saying, yeah, I see, I see this man. He's, 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 his eyes are like, they're like fire, and I see this, his feet are like, and they would describe a Revelation 19 wow. description of Jesus. I mean, kids that are, you know, they don't know anything. They're just like little street kids. Describing, I see feet like bronze. I see a sword. Describing the coming Jesus. These kids are captivated by him. What does that do when you get captivated by him? When you have an encounter with God, prophecy comes. And now they're telling us what Jesus... That's prophecy. That's the prophetic happening. Can I, can I tell you what, something else that happened there? There were the other kids that were, that were crying. And I would ask them, so what are you seeing? What's, what's going on? I see, I see this man, and he's on a cross. And I see blood. And they were, they were seeing the cross, Jesus on the cross there. I thought, Lord, this is, this is wild. Like We have kids that are seeing the glorified, resurrected Christ, and the other ones are seeing the cross. And I said, Lord, what, why are they, I was just in my own interaction with God, like, why are they seeing something different? So the ones that know me, the ones that know me, they're seeing the resurrected Jesus. The ones who had not come to know him, he was giving them the gospel. Go on. So that they would come to him. Because they had to go to the cross before they could get to the king. Getting captivated by God is the, is the heart of the prophetic. Amen. You just get rocked by him. It, it checks out of this religious thing. Matthew chapter uh, 15, verse 21. This is the story of the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter. Is, cru- is cruelly demon-possessed. Verse 23, but he did not answer the woman a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, send her away because she weeps, uh, excuse me, because she keeps shouting at us. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26, and he answered and said, it is good it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. In other words, you're a dog. 
speaking to this woman because she's Syrophoenician. Um, verse 27, But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed all at once. So this woman really gets healed out of time, like out of her dispensation. Jesus was there when he says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's referring to the Jews saying, I came for God's people, the Jews, and refers to her as a dog. That gives you an idea of the picture of those outside. And uh, he says, I, I think basically you're a dog. And then the woman says, I have to become like a dog to get my miracle. And so be it. And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs, don't they? And he says, because of your answer, you can have it. You have your miracle. And this Lord really touched me with this, this passage. So I realized, why did that move God's heart? Why did that get his attention? Why did he break the rules? Because there was going to be a time where Peter is sitting on a rooftop and he would have an encounter with God. A sheep would come down from heaven and he would see unclean animals and God would reveal to him this message of the gospel is not for the Jews only, but it is also for that Syrophoenician woman. There was a time for her to have that. So what happened? What did that woman do on the earth that provoked God to say, hey, I'm going to give you something that is way out of your time. That is probably a decade later. I don't even know the time frame of that in Acts. Probably about 10 years later, give or take. Why did, why did that happen? She says, if I have to become like a dog so that my child can be delivered, I'll do it. I think what I truly believe happened was she manifested Christ-likeness. Because that's exactly what Jesus did as he lived in the earth and the children of God were demonized. The children of God were oppressed. And Jesus said, if I have to become like one of them to get them delivered, I'll do it. Wow. Mm, come on. And so when she says, if I have become like a dog to get my kid delivered, God looks at her and says, that looks like my boy. That looks like my son. It's a manifestation of Christ-likeness. And God says, i got to do something about this. we got to do something here. You know? Manifesting Jesus. Captivating. Captivated by God. You know, when you get captivated by God, you captivate God. It got His attention. And pulled something that was so far away into her moment. It's a powerful thing. His commandments were written on tablets and now they are written on our hearts. He's the chiefest among 10,000. Charles Spurgeon says, there's no such word as chiefest, but such is the weight of Christ's perfection that he breaks down vocabulary and causes men to make up words they've never known to articulate something they've never seen. He doesn't fit in our language, but that's what happens. He doesn't fit in our world, and so you make up something to describe something you've never seen. It's a powerful thing to be captivated by Him. And when you get moved by God, you prophesy. It's a powerful thing. And so I want to just challenge everyone to... uh, 
to take your walk with God out, way, way far away from religion, come out of religion, and get captivated by Him. Read the Word in a new light and let Him captivate you. And just like the Scripture said, if you'll be moved by God, you'll speak it. We could have like prophetic workshops and like, hey, let's take turns all prophesying. We can do that. And that's fine. Um, but what I want to tell you, what's more important than that is for you to be captivated by Him. And when you get captivated by Him, it flows out. I'm going to tell one more story. Um, all the kids are up there. Well, one of the times that I had a really powerful time with God, I was um, on a mission trip. And some of you know the story. And I remember arriving at this missions base in, in Mexico. And there was on the ground uh, a welcome card. I think actually come like this. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, it was a, a welcome card kind of like this. And on it sat two Hershey's, two Hershey's kisses. And it said, welcome back, uh, Nick and Anthony or something like that. Mm-hmm. These two guys that had been there before. Anyway, it was my first time. So I just saw these two kisses, Hershey's kisses. And it was on the ground. And I, I remember just it caught my eye. And this is so crazy. These are here. Um, um, but it caught my eye. And um, anyway, I saw it and just went about the trip. During this trip, God just began to encounter me in really unique ways. I would listen worship and we would worship on the bus as we're going places. And I remember just getting so caught up with the Lord in worship. It wasn't about words I was saying. It was about a connection happening with my heart. And I remember one time I was singing on this bus as we were going from one place to another. And I felt like I, like I had left my body. And I just, I saw this light come up out of me like it was, like it was my spirit. And I saw it go up and the Lord was here. I came up and kissed him. Wow. And I opened my eyes and thought, this is weird. I'm just getting, I'm getting off or I'm, I'm I don't, I, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to explain it because it didn't fit in my Christian life to have an encounter with God like that. I just, okay, we're just done with this for now, you know? And, um, and it happened, and I shared it with one of the leaders, said, hey, this happened? They're like, oh, yeah, that's fine, it's great, you know? And um, anyway, I just kind of left it alone. At the end of the trip, we're praying, uh, this is a Bethel trip, um, uh, praying with the, with the team, and I'm just, we're just hungry to receive impartation, we're hungry to receive more, and so we just, our team just kind of held out our hands. God, we just want to receive everything you have for us, that we receive the fullness of, of impartation that we're supposed to receive, and we go back on fire for Jesus. And so the last day of the trip, we just opened our hearts up like this. Hands of people came, and then a couple guys, Anthony actually, one of the guys that was on the note card, <laughs> came and prayed for me. And I was like this, praying, and I just caught away with the Lord. And I had this a beautiful encounter where I saw the Lord, like this, this beautiful light. And I looked at him, and I remembered Ephesians 2, 4, that were raised up, seated with God in heavenly places in Christ. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, at least then, I thought, here's Jesus, and we're seated next to him in Christ, right? And uh, I looked at the Lord, and I didn't see his face. I just saw this, this, this light, but it was the Lord. And uh, I looked at it, and I thought, you know, I don't see myself next to him. Like I, was like, I was thinking of the verse. Like I thought I would see myself next to God in Christ. 
So I'm having this full-blown heaven encounter. And uh, I thought, uh, this is a problem, you know. We, we're going to need to address this sooner or later. <laughs> this could be a problem down the road. But I looked at the Lord, and I saw him, and inside of him was this bright light. Like there was him that was a light, and in him was a light. And the Lord said to me, Adrian, that's you. And I went back and thought of the verse again. So it's not we're raised up, seated in heavenly places with God, with Christ. We're seated with God in heavenly places. In Christ. In Christ. And I saw it. Captivated. And while I was in this time with the Lord, I felt something drop in my hands. You know, when people are walking by you praying, they kind of touch you or whatever. But I felt I was holding something physical in the natural. And I felt it on my hands. And I was just caught away with the Lord having this encounter. And I came out of it. I opened my hands. Hershey's kiss was in each hand. The mission trip leader had walked by and dropped no way. a kiss in each hand. <laughs> wow. And it, what got my attention was I saw those kisses when I walked into the place. That, know what that tells us is that he's pursuing us yeah. before we're pursuing him. Amen. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. Yeah, loved us. Wow. First loved us. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, to be loved by God you know, sometimes we get, oh, God, I want to be captivated by you and realize that he is so ahead of you. Like, he totally had it laid out for you. Like, he is, he is a, um, he lays out the carpet for you. You know, he, he woos us with his presence so that we would come after him. Amen. And it's, it's all a love relationship with Jesus. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, God. That you are wooing us in this season. God, that you are calling us after you. God, that we would be captivated by you, God. That we would step into the prophetic, not by a, a choice of just, oh, I'm going to be soulish. But no, we want to be moved by the heart of God. To know that you are chasing us and that whatever circumstances we're in, whatever situation that's happened that's brought us to this point, that brought us here, we just become fully aware that you are chasing us, Father God. We ask you, Lord, and captivate us, Lord. Your word says mercy and goodness would follow us. Thank you, Lord. When I saw myself, that light in Christ, the whole New Testament exploded for me. Every time I saw in Christ, I, I knew what it meant by revelation. And then I read Psalm 5:12, "The Lord does bless the righteous and surround them with favor as a shield, that you are that favor, you are that shield. You are, we're, you are that acceptance that we're taking into you, Father. In Jesus name.